Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three... Two, one. Ba, 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 ba. All right. Well, <laughs> welcome again, everybody, to the Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Building, to uh, to the Gamekeeper Studio here. Lenny, I'm glad to be back once again. They've letting us do one more podcast. One more podcast. They hadn't gotten rid of us yet. Yeah. Oh, the snow kind of slowed us down last week. Yeah, it did. Yeah. We apologize. We didn't have a, a podcast last week, but it was uh, it, it was impossible. It was quite icy here. Conditions were rough. What did y'all call it? The snowpocalypse? Or snowvid? Snowvid. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, but well, I tell you what it, what it really pointed out, because I was watching my Spartan cameras the whole time. Boy, the deer herd was having a hard time. Yeah. I put out some extra feed, actually. I just went all of it hit, written, refilled the feeders, and kind of got them ready. I know you, I, you probably didn't run out of food in your feeder, though. <laughs> it did not run out of 1,500-pound <laughs> <laughs> capacity. Of Have it. we come up with a name for it yet? We need to. I hadn't thought about Old that. Oh, Bertha. The Beast. Bertha yeah. the Beast. So uh, The belly. Yeah, they're still learning to eat out of it, though. They've yeah. kind of had to train them, but that cold weather helped because it certainly made them hungry enough to, to explore around it. Yeah. But they still don't quite trust it. There's some of them that are just blindly walk up there and feed in it, but some of them— They've tasted it. Yeah. Yeah. So well, stuff. I don't have a two-ton capacity feeder at my farm. Uh, you should have put that at your farm. And I didn't get to get away. Well, I, I got to, you know, fix the—drain the pipes and everything, but— uh I was just thankful that uh, for the first time ever, we decided to go back and fertilize all of our brassica fields uh, with 100 pounds of nitrogen, you know, right before November hit. And uh, it made a huge difference. So we still had green growth and tubers everywhere for the deer to munch on. Oh, so yeah. Were they pawing through the snow and stuff to get to it? Well, I mean, I hadn't been back. Oh, yeah. When, when I left before the storm, the, the, the fields looked. Three times better than they ever have. We just hadn't taken that extra step to do that second top, you know, that that one second top dress. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, hey, Mac, let's uh, make sure we put up some. Dudley's got some photos of his fields. Let's make sure we put those up. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you, I was jealous of them. There's no yeah, doubt about I it because we. Too. It's it's harder for us to grow brassicas in the south, um, and you know, Dudley has has. He's got a line on it. I'm just going to go and tell you, over the last couple, three years, he's kind of getting it figured out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, but, it, it, it's not that it's uh, – it, it's just a timing is so important. Right. And then that spacing of the plants. 
And I, I do agree. Dudley's kind of got he's kind of got that figured out. It basically more is not better. Right. Right. So and so, timing is everything. Yeah. So uh, Mac, are you over there texting or what do you? Uh, what, I heard something you, on. I'm making notes. Tick so, tick tick. Yeah. So would you when you man when you quit he's texting, burning it up over there <laughs> when you when you <laughs> these quit, guys can type so fast. Yeah. So but just make sure that we uh, that we alert David McElwain. <laughs> Uh, to put some pictures of of Dudley's fields up, please. We okay. can do that. He might be texting, but I'll David go probably is texting. Oh, there it is again. It, what is going on? Uh, no doubt. Would somebody put their phone on D and D, please? Yeah. So, uh, so look. So this week's sponsor. I am so happy to say that I'm told we have finally have the new Mossy Oak Gamekeeper website. Woo! Somebody give us a trumpet. There yeah, we go. Yeah. So that's going to be our sponsor. So we're going to invite everybody to go to Mossy Oak Gamekeeper. Gamekeeper.com. When Mossy Oak Gamekeeper and then type dot and then C O M and it'll get you right there. Oh. <laughs> but it, it's a great new website that'll make it easier for people to consume the content that we have. Yeah, it's all about content, you know. It really is written content. Uh podcasts are there, videos there. Uh we're looking we're really excited about it. So yeah. a lot I, well, better user experience than what we've had in the past. Yeah. So Jason McKellar probably needs a we need a shout out for him. Oh yeah. Get an applause. Yeah. yeah. Go go McKellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, we're getting trumpets <laughs> all over the place today. <laughs> yeah. And Lanny, I know you've worked on it hardly oh, hard, well, hard as well. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to say that. hardly, but it yeah, well, I mean, no. yeah. But it looks great. So please everybody go check that thing out. Mossy Oak Gamekeeper dot Com. There we go. Yeah. And if, you know what dot com means, Bobby? I think it means dot communication. Ah, close. What does it mean? Commercial. Dot commercial. Mm-hmm. Not, hmm. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. So, uh, I'm excited about that. That is funny. Uh, yeah, we're excited about it, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Y'all go check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, hit us up on social. Tell us whether you like it or not. Yeah. So, there's not a lot of blood on the biologic right now in February, but I'm seeing rabbit, you know, some rabbit hunters mm-hmm. and... Uh, Late squirrel, squirrel hunters, yeah. you know, and I, I saw some fishermen. I saw Hawkins Mackey getting started. He got catching some redfish. Nice. Well, I tell you, right when that snow got out of here, you know, it was seventy five yesterday. So it is, uh, it's on the brain. Spring is on the brain here. Oh, they're gobbling. Yeah. Well, McElwain saw a couple strutting gobbling yesterday. He wouldn't tell us where for some reason. Did he? <laughs> Michael and that's all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, at, he's over there texting again. I guarantee he dropped a pen. Somebody. Oh, there it is. Look at him. He's dropping pins everywhere. Well, he's right. the only single guy. Yeah. in here. So he's in just he he. I don't know that he's paying attention to everything like he ought to. Yeah. Um, Leon, I, I, what's that I, thing I, called? I threatened to talk about his love life today, and he turned blood red. And, what what's and, the app and, called? And he basically said, "No, please." Tumblr. Don't. Tumblr. Tumblr. Maybe th- that may be the he's one he's pointing at me. So that's what he's doing over there. I, I don't know what Tumblr is. I don't either. About. I'm way out of the game. You know, many, many decades out of the game. So I have to hardly idea. Well, I think we should all, t- you know. Should we look for about, David a girlfriend? Yeah, that's what we need to do. We look should make an announcement about that. You know, maybe we should make, uh, could you put a little. What are those little um, personal ads and gamekeeper for him? Okay. Yeah, we could do that. We yeah. could do yeah. single white male. You know, uh, I, I don't likes know. likes long walks in the woods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. pina coladas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's him. Flat brim hat. Flat. Yeah, he's, yeah. I'm a yeah flat brimmer. Likes flat long brim. walks. Yeah. Jacked up pickup trucks. Yeah. Got mud tires. Rarely shaves. Boat. 
<laughs> He's over there like, would y'all please stop? <laughs> oh, right. But uh, oh, back to blood on the biologic, I've, I've been seeing a lot of predator control. Yeah, a lot of saving the poults going on. It seems to be kind of a movement. Yeah, I love it. Are, That's good. People hear. are getting on board. I tell you, it's a hot topic of conversation. And we talk, my Mac and I were talking about it this morning. But, you know, there's no doubt a lot of the information that we're gathering, you know, obviously points us towards predation. And we know that there are uh, – it's not just one thing you can oh, do. Oh, yeah. There is. It's a big but picture. it's really shining a light on how if there is just one thing everybody could do, uh, you know, I think a lot of that focus needs to be on nest predators. You know, it was, it was pretty eye-opening the uh, a couple of weeks ago when Tim Cosby said how many critters he had caught on his 60 acres. Yeah, and that's a great example, too. Like, everybody's got to do it because, you know, once one predator moves out of another one, another one's going to come in. Yeah, and I think they move in faster mm-hmm. than everybody realizes. Because like, I've heard people say think days and not weeks in right. terms of predators coming hmm. back in. And I'm, I'm not a scientist. Um, I know a lot of scientists, but— you know, we got all these feeders running nonstop, and you know we're not only feeding deer and turkeys, we're we're feeding nest predators too. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, <laughs> Don't you? Ha- you had a few nest predators doing some gymnastic tricks on their food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing chin ups. Yeah, they have a, pumped up. They have a hard time with that one, but they they do figure out a way. They, mm-hmm. they you could see them jumping trying to get up on it. So, <laughs> so Dudley, what what are you eating there? <clears throat> well, mm. I'm not a Cajun, and I'm not French. I've always called it andu andouille 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 Cajun sausage. That's a new wild boar product that Vandy whooped up for us. Yeah, that is that from the Gamekeeper. That's butchery? from Gamekeeper Butchery. So I think it's going to be available in a couple of weeks. We were just trying to get the right recipe and make sure it it was pleasing to everybody's palate around here, yeah, Bobby. Well, 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 how that, was it for you? It, it was delicious. All right. Yeah, and, and you know I like things to be spicy. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're kind of, you know, risque. Well, I, I, I guess you could say that. <laughs> you know, I do like things like spicy, you know? It would be but, really good in some gumbo, but it's great by itself. Mm. I, you know, Dudley loves just about He's like Mikey. He Whatever you slide down there in front of him, he's, but he looks like he's enjoying that. I'm not a picky eater at all. Well, so before we get uh, way down the road uh, – what are we going to talk about today? Today is going to be an interesting conversation. We've got a guy coming in here that has been keeping records on gobbling turkeys, when they gobble, how they gobble, why they gobble, just all these different aspects. He's been keeping records on it for a long time, and he's really studied it. The guy's name's George Mayfield. You've mm-hmm. met him. but uh, So that's what we're going to talk about today and try to learn a little bit about you know that one vocalization the gobble, but it can mean multiple things. Yeah, how, when, where, why, why, why it happens. I think that's. I'm, I'm excited about it too. For one thing, George is as turkey as you can get. Yes, you know? he is. I'm telling you. You know, we've had the pleasure of having uh, some property beside each other and, and running into each other. Is that a years. pleasure? Because it's, I think it's a lot of worry. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> he he will make you hunt harder. There's no yeah, doubt about yeah. that. You don't give up near as well, easily I, if you know George is beside yeah, you. Yeah, I look. I've I've just I think about it way too much. I don't know if it's a pleasure or not, but we're not going to dwell on that. (laughs) We all have our So you're just throwing that out there. Well, it is an interesting subject, though, because, I mean, you know, obviously we all spend a lot of time learning hen calls and being the hen, and we know the yelp and the cluck and all these different things. And then people, you know, you've heard about – you know, uh, uh, gobblers clucking, but not – and gobbling, but that's about it. But 
what's so interesting to me is the how, when, and where he is doing it will let you kind of give you some insight into kind of what his mood is for the day and maybe give you some extra. Uh, That's exactly what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So we'll be able to ask him questions. And I mean, he knows a lot. He's no and doesn't, he, and doesn't he have a, hasn't he isolated several different types of of gobbles and, and kind of what I, they mean? You know, I think so. I'm, he and I have had some in-depth conversations on the side of the road down in yeah. Sumter County. And I just wanted to recreate those because right. they, they are. He's, he's, he just – he. I'm going to refer to uh, my days of being an artist. He he seems to have a unique style. Um, turkey hunting has evolved to where I'd say 90% of the people kind of follow the same style of, right. of hunting. And he's developed his own, and it, it works really well. Mm-hmm. I've been scrolling through this article that was in ESPN yeah. about him, no, he's, he's, um, and it, it's fascinating. Yeah. I, I can't wait to learn more. So before we bring him in, and we're bringing him in, in, bringing him into the guest chair, which we're now calling between between two turkeys. That's right. Oh, I like so it. So this is a special guest chair. I don't know how I, I don't know how I got that in my head before you said it, but yeah, well, I we, saw that got one coming. That extra testicle perception. About that <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So b- before we, I've got a did you know. And Atlanta, I wanted to ask you. Oh, is it my turn? Oh my goodness! Here we go. Yeah, to see. So what, what's the subject? Uh, well, it's it's animals and mammals. Okay, mammals. So on Earth, on, 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 on the whole Earth, what animal has the best sense of smell on Earth? Is it? And I'm gonna do it as a multiple choice. Is it a a a white-tailed deer? B an anteater? C a badger? Or D a grizzly bear? Oh man. And I can get an answer from both of y'all. So, uh, okay. First one was whitetail. Second one was anteater. Third was badger. Fourth was grizzly bear. And this is on the whole earth. On the whole thing. The whole thing. I'm, I'm kind of I'm I'm caught between a badger and an anteater. That anteater is really. Uh, I mean, because they got to smell ants the, under the dirt. Yeah, that's yeah that. I was going to go with anteater, but then Bobby mentioned it, and now I'm thinking that's not the right answer. But anyway, my final answer is anteater. I'll go with badger. Neither one of those are right. Grizzly bear. I was going with the grizzly bear. (laughs) I knew it. So They put that anteater in there to throw us. Yeah. They can smell 2,100 times better than a human. Wow. Seven times better than a bloodhound. And they've been known to catch a scent. From over 20 miles away. This is why a grizzly bear continues to be the most intimidating thing running around on earth, in my opinion. I would agree with that. Yeah. I've, I've been stalked by a grizzly before. What? Have you really? Yeah. When I, one time I was uh, backpacking in Yellowstone and we got up the next morning and there was a set of grizzly tracks all in a circle around where we camped. And then he went to where we hung our food in the tree and Stood under that for a minute, and then we heard that he got into a camp of a bunch of Boy Scouts that didn't hang their food and ripped open all their backpacks. And uh, then he scratched on the ranger station door a few times and, and left. Just let them know he was there. Oh, my goodness. You know, these guys riding horses in to hunt in Alaska and British Columbia and places like that, or even, uh, you know, they're, they're in the United States. Right. But, but 
That's got to be a scary. Oh, let me tell you, I was those in, those guys elk hunting in the Bob Marshall wilderness. Oh, yeah. and, I mean, ugh, I was in. There's Alaska, some scary stories. I was in Alaska with uh, Ben Mackey and um, salmon fishing and black bear hunting. And there's a guy you'll hear me talk about him, Big Roy, uh, from time to time. He's actually passed away, uh, but was an unbelievable uh, hunter, mountaineer, um, big big man, Big Roy. But Big Roy took me, you know, bear hunting, and we were walking into the bear stand and i looked up in a tree and there was a bite mark out of the tree like a bite mark i said what bites trees he said grizzly bears i said hey man i i don't know about all this this thing this is a bite out of a tree six foot up in a tree oh my goodness he said that's how they mark the territory and i'm like oh this ain't good (laughs) (laughs) so as tough as i am you know i hung out in there and he said look when you hear the boat coming just walk out you know it's it was you know couple hundred yards but i shouldn't be able to hear, hear the boat i heard the boat and immediately i sat right there big roy had to come in there and get me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when you heard the boat coming you just oh, I stayed right there. <laughs> I was like, he's coming here and getting me <laughs> yeah yeah oh uh, well God, that's just fascinating to me though but uh, they, they are an apex predator oh yeah and that Bob, what state is the Bob Marshall Wilderness in? Montana. So there, there was uh, a crew from here in West Point that had a grizzly bear attack. <laughs> they had to leave. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was it, wasn't it John Paul? It was uh, John Paul. Sure did. Yeah. That, that's a scary scenario. I think they were elk hunting in Montana. A uh, guy had a run with a grizzly, um, got out of the stand, walked through camp, and walked all the way to the truck. Then he's out of there. <laughs> just left. <laughs> just left. <laughs> so the grizzly attacked the horse he was on. Is that right? I think it was like pawing at the tree he was in. Okay. Because yeah. I'd, I'd heard that they were riding in and a grizzly reared up and scared the horses, scared everybody. And I think they actually had a couple of incidents. Yeah. We'll have to call John Paul and just ask him what happened. Man, we've gotten off on the grizzly bear team. Yeah, we yeah. have. Well, that's better than the long-tailed cat. That we usually get off on, I guess. It's that's a little just now been proven. <laughs> Thank you. All right, well, let's go to Mac and get our commercial knocked out. And then when we come back, we'll have uh, Mr. George Mayfield in here with I'm us. I'm excited. What's Mac going to talk about? So you'll kind of tee me up for this. Uh, with our winter storm last week, the first thing we as gamekeepers always think about is what what are our wildlife doing with all the snow on the ground, with all this ice on the ground this time of year where there's not They're a bunch cold. of food? Yeah. Absolutely. So one way to help fight these tough winters is to have a little extra food on the table. A great way to do it is by planting some high-powered annuals uh, like winter bulbs, deer radish, maximum, final forage. So when you start planting on your food plots for next year, don't forget about this winter storm we just had and think about you know giving them that long-lasting annual that is designed to be long-lasting. High-powered. Absolutely. You said it. High-powered yeah. annuals. Yeah. And I think it's important to say, too, you know, high-powered annuals, I mean, that's how biology got started. That's you know. Right. Uh, with that, with those first blends, what was it? It was a summer management, a fall attracting, yeah, and was. a premium perennial. It was, uh, but it was all about high powered annuals, which we 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 refer to as brassicas, part of them. So, so you know, we don't want to see a plot that's all just dirt and turds, it, no. it just eating to the ground. We want to see like what Dudley's talking about. He was so proud; his plot still looked fantastic. Yeah, right in the first part of February, even though they were yeah. getting hit hard. Yeah, but well, they, you know, there were so, bulbs and so these and, are browse tolerant varieties. Browse tolerant, and and, uh, and it's, it's important, important to say forage varieties too. So that's right. When you go to the co-op and you buy brassicas or turnips, you're not getting the same thing as you get. They're not high powered. Annuals is the best way to put it. So these, the, all these things that we're talking about have been engineered 
for browse tolerance to produce mu- as much forage as possible. So. And, you know, it's probably a good thing. You know, what we just went through in the South was yeah. unusual, but it happens up North all the time. Right. But so a guy that's down here in the South that just realized his deer didn't have enough to eat in late January, February, and probably the first part of March, he can start thinking about that now and plan this next fall to mm-hmm. plant the appropriate plots what mac has described high power for for next year you know it (laughs) may it makes a big difference we want to carry our deer herd through that 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 stressful period Mm -hmm. and let them come out of that in as best shape as possible and we've talked about antler genesis before it's right around the corner really got to get them in good shape for that it's amazing amazing critters yeah they do so mac i think you're right on there with what you're thinking about high powered annuals so mac if you would uh would you uh Please uh, go get our guest, and we'll get started with uh, Mr. George. Yep, I'll go get him. Here they come. Nail is the man. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We're super excited for you to be here, and that's the bottom line. You, we we don't get to have in studio guests as much as possible. So, and we are. PC, we're politically correct here, by six feet apart. That's so, right. So, super stoked to have you here. Talk well, about our favorite subject. Uh, the wild turkey. The wild turkey. He's the first guest in the Between the Turkeys chair. That's right. Bobby oh, kind of morphs the studio each each week, you know, depending on his mood. Yeah. So, we like it this well, way. Well, I am honored. I'm pleased to be here. I know most of you guys, so I'm very comfortable, and I'm ready to talk about the wild turkey. We like to talk about turkeys. Well, you know, I was telling them, you and I have had some really uh, deep discussions on the side of the road in Sumter County about mm-hmm. turkeys. We Ta- tailgate talk, and, and uh, I was wanting to replicate some of those. And um, and what's fascinated me about you is how you've uh, well, you've made your living in the woods for a number of years, running a lodge and guiding hunters and whatnot. But it, you've paid attention to what's going on out there, and you've made notes. And uh, I, I think there's a lot to be learned from what you have learned and well, so i i appreciate that you know i i, I have uh i spent my life in the woods and as i was telling uh lanny a while ago uh you know it was it's uh when i started turkey hunting it wasn't just for fun i did it because that's the way i was feeding my family and I really wasn't an experienced turkey hunter when I had the opportunity to start guiding. And that's a long story in itself. But so I had to uh, I had to catch on quick. And uh, I didn't kill the first turkey. Uh, I was 21 years old before I killed my first turkey. So when I got out of graduate school, uh, just the, the Lord uh, blessed me and gave me an opportunity to run a lodge that uh, when the guy asked me, could I do it? I said, heck yeah. And, <laughs> and there I was, you know. Right. So uh, turkey hunting uh, has been a part of my life for uh, 45 plus years now. Mm-hmm. And when you're put in a position that you feel like, you know, you're you're responsible and you have to produce, then, yeah, you do your homework. You do anything that you can to be successful. And, and you know, I might have pushed the envelope a little hard back then. Uh, you know, I was uh, always been a little aggressive in that regard. Uh, but I have been successful in, in learning about the wild turkey. Mm. 
And really, if you think back 40-something years, if you can, you know, then there wasn't that much information out there Mm-mm. about turkey hunting. There was a lot more about deer hunting. But if if I hadn't have also been blessed to have met a fella that decided he was going to mentor me, then I probably would still be in the dark about them. Because it, there's a learning curve in turkey hunting, mm-hmm. we all know, and it's and for some people it's it's a lifetime, you yeah. know, yeah. before they break out. Right, and uh, unfortunately, it's just more than likely because they don't have an opportunity to hunt that much. But somebody that gets to hunt a lot, like I did, and I was figuring up the other day, I you know, I, shoot, I hunted forty five days a season for 45 years <laughs> plus <laughs> plus you add on all the way to New York and three or four other states on average every year guiding 90% of it was guiding that's a lot of sitting to turkey that's a lot of listening to turkey that's so right. that begs the question for me before we get started down the rabbit hole we want to go down I yeah. want to ask just one question you don't have to go into a lot of detail but where do you think the toughest turkeys are what state tough in terms of killing them? tough mm-hmm. in terms of killing them without a doubt and, and my mentor told me this because he had hunted around a lot by the way when I refer to the king that's my mentor okay I now I never called him that to his face nobody ever did but his name was Ben Ezel and he was from Aliceville Alabama and he was running buddies with Ben Rogers Lee Mm. That should say a little bit it about does, it. Right. And they was running buddies because they gave some of the first turkey calling seminars ever at Westerbelt Lodge back in the 70s. So that goes way back. Sure I mean, in other words, he was making a living, part-time living turkey hunting in the 70s. And I was blessed to have traveled with them to New York. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, a Gulf State Paper Corporation or not, but they're mm-hmm. the ones that own uh, uh, Westervelt Lodge. But John Warner, who's now the, the honcho over at Gulf State, uh, his dad, Mr. Jack, was back then was running uh, Gulf State's. But they were all up there at this guy's David Cole's camp in Belfast, New York. So I had the pleasure of hunting in a camp where my nickname was Opie. Opie. (laughs) (laughs) Opie, go fetch a beer. You know, that kind of guy. I I was a kid. But good gracious, what an education I got. Mm. So that really was what helped me get started more than anything else, was just being around people that knew the turkey better than anybody else, I believe, at that mm-hmm. time. Oh, they're history. legends. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So what What? What region, so what state? The king told me right off the get-go, if you can kill a turkey in Mississippi and Alabama, boy, you can kill a turkey anywhere. I believe that. I believe that. Mm-hmm. I do. Whole podcast there. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we want to go down that rabbit hole one day. Yeah, we do. We got a, we got a couple off the wall theories we think that kind of contribute to that. So yeah. So what I wanted to start with is uh, in one of our on the side of the road discussions, we talked about 
goblin. Ooh. And it's one vocalization, but depending on that bird's attitude, it can mean many different things. And you've said some you you said some things to me that got my mind thinking of and it had to do with how you approach a turkey and you're analyzing what that what he's what you think he's thinking by the by the way he's gobbling, and I'd like for you to just kind of go into that a little bit. Well, I, I would be the last person to ever say that I know what a dang turkey's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a bold, a bold statement. A bold statement. Yeah. I, if I did, I, you might not want me to stay here. But uh, you know, the the objective is to kill that turkey. When you turkey hunting, you want to kill a turkey, and. Uh, when I I do I, I'm kind of uh, systematic in everything I do, and when I first started, I, I wanted to develop strategies that were consistently effective. In other words, I couldn't come back and the story didn't really pay the bills. The the dead turkeys what paid the bills and made folks come back and hunt. And um, excuses, ex- good stories, and all right. that weren't acceptable. So I had to develop a strategy that allowed me to get on the turkey. You know, you, you have a good place. You get out there, and there's seven, eight turkeys gobbling, and you go to the ones that are gobbling the hardest or the most, and you find out that doesn't work sometimes. And you go to this one later on in the morning, and he's end up. And But, you know, you can waste the morning pretty quick by going mm-hmm. to the wrong turkey. So I tried to listen for the clues that a turkey would give me through his goblin that would allow me to avoid, I guess is the best way to put it, the turkeys that weren't killable at that time Mm -hmm. that would be less likely to respond to my calling. That's really what it was all about. And it really... To be effective with this strategy, you had to back up and start February 1st after deer season. You, you know, the, what I would do is I, we would run that deer camp for 77 days straight. Anybody that does that is ready to go to the woods. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> you know I know what, what I mean. you mean. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You listen to 20 deer hunters a day whine and cry, and I mean, it's, boy, it's pretty tough. So I would go to the February woods when it was quiet and nobody was there, and on the pretty mornings, the turkeys would gobble. And not only did I catalog my turkeys, I started to to be able to read them. When they're undisturbed, you can hear more. When they're unhunted, they gobble more. And I started to, to develop an appreciation for their spatial segregation, the way they distributed themselves, the ones that gobble first. And this is all kind of technical stuff. Didn't really have a lot to do with the voices. At first, it was about positioning. Mm-hmm. And... You can tie that into peck order. You know, every place has what I call a focal point. Okay, and a focal point is that crossroads where those, where you always hear <laughs> where you always hear turkeys gobble from, and you and you will most likely kill a turkey in that area, mm-hmm. somewhere in that area. You know, one of the misconceptions is that turkeys are 
are distributed equally across the property, and we know better than that. I mean, they're not. The first 10,000-acre tract that I ever managed, I thought the place was covered in turkeys. And there was a lot of turkeys there, but when it got down to it, after a few years of recording where we herd turkeys and where we kill turkeys, it was you could narrow that 10,000 acres down to 1,000 at the most. Wow. Ten percent. And I've got I've got old maps where I used to put X's on the maps of where we were hearing them in February and where we were killing them in March and April, and it's amazing. There's places that we never heard a turkey gobble. Beautiful places that would appear to be beautiful mm-hmm. anyway. Right. So what that that you know that's very suggestive. Well, within every place that they the X's would clump. In other words, you would not only kill one turkey there, you'd kill four or five. Well, this is what I named a focal area. So when you go out and listen and in February and you hear these turkeys gobble, within that focal area, you're starting to realize that there's the goblin gaggle. There's the group of four or five turkeys every year, not to always the same turkeys by any means, but That's where they're going to gobble from, if they gobble at all. And then there will be a a segregated bird here and another one, maybe two over there. That was the beginning of my appreciation for how to approach turkeys effectively and be able to to go to the right turkey, especially when you're guiding. You don't want to get down in the middle of, you know, the, the more dominant birds that are all henned up and, with a guy over there wiggling around. And, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Right. I said, I don't mean, you're, asking, you're asking for a long morning. You're going to have to hunt all afternoon too, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So in that process, that's that's how a lot of these understandings came to be. And as I was spending these Februaries out there listening in peace and quiet, I started noticing that that turkey sounds different than that turkey. My ears were a lot better back then than they are now. Too many dove hunts, probably, you know, <laughs> unprotected dove hunts, but pheasant hunts and stuff like that. But <clears throat> I started hearing variations in the gobble. And, and there were some turkeys that consistently gobbled in a, in a higher, I guess you would call it pitch. There were some turkeys that, you know, that that sounded differently. They they chop gobble more than they roll gobbled. You know, there's different kinds of gobbles. And and then I started, well, I heard that turkey last year. You know, it was a process now. What, what we talked about on the side of the road was something that developed itself over years. This didn't, you know, light bulb thing come on in, <laughs> sure. you know, one season, and I figured all this out. And I still don't have it figured out, to be honest with you. But but I have been able to go to a place that I've never been before and kind of get a read on it mm-hmm. without, you know, just butting my head up against that wall and going to the wrong group of turkeys. I, I'm more more likely to break even you know, then consistently go to the wrong group of turkeys. And many times it's not the the goblin turkey that you will kill. The ones you go to, how many times have you gone to a group of turkeys in the morning 
two or three turkeys and and got it handed to you. And then nine o'clock in the morning, you're coming out and you make one gobble and you kill him. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's the one that probably been better to start with to begin with. Mm-hmm. So having, you know, it went to the ability to identify individual turkeys is a is an advantage especially if you hunt the same places over time absolutely now you're sitting there uh, right off the bat when you're listening to that bird you're listening to see if he's spinning on the limb if he's gobbling in different directions or if he's or if he's focused on one direction and that's letting you know if he's focused on one direction he's he's hearing a hint that that's certainly a clue you know, not only once you decide, okay, we're getting down to what do you do when you hear one and you decide that's the one you want to go to. Okay. When you get to that point, I don't know how many times, man, I charged in there. <laughs> Heck, I used to run them off the limb. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, you know, put the bayonet on and let's go yard. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? I know exactly I mean, what you mean. That's yeah. you. I'm kind of yard myself. I, I can't even charge the, the kitchen table no more. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But back then, you know, going there, wasn't, to get a, them. there right. wasn't a hill tall enough or a, a creek deep enough that I didn't go. And, uh, but, that's really not the right way to hunt turkeys if you want to be effective. I mean, you know, that's just overzealous. And I wish I had that energy and, and, and physicality now, but I don't, I think the Lord fixed it that way. So, you know, if if I could run like I used to, it'd be, I'd be in jail. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so they, they, he takes away, he gives, he takes away, you know, but what what you're talking about is what my what I think about as I ch- go to the chosen turkey, and I do, there's an acronym. Um, it's like I didn't get your acronym the other day, uh, I, but uh, it RDS and sometimes Q, mm. and um, R stands for rate of gobbling. You can you can get that. I mean, I'm not saying you got to look at your watch and you know, but is he gobbling one time in five minutes or five times in one minute mm-hmm. or somewhere in between? Okay, I'm walking to the turkey and I'm trying to figure out you know where I'm gonna sit and you know just you know how you are you know you're excited and but I, I'm also listening to that turkey and and you know a, a gobble is a directional call. I mean, you can tell when he's gobbling away from you. A lot of times, if, if he's gobbling away from you, and you can run over him, you know, mm-hmm. because you think he's further than he is. So <clears throat> I pay attention to that more now than I used to, and I, I avoid running over a turkey. And uh, I usually put an angle on on it anyway because, I, you know, I, I just do. It's just a habit. But uh, instead of going right at him, you know, if I know the land, and I might be going that way, but, mm-hmm. you know, to the left or the right. But as I'm going to him, I want to get a read on his – If is there a direction that he gobbles more often than not? Or is he just spin gobbling? Is he just – he gobbles this way a while and he gobbles this way a while? 
might hush for a little while. You know how they do. You get quiet for a little while, you know, and, and gobble this way. And, you know, just let it happen. Don't force it. And uh, if I can get a read on, is there a direction he has a tendency to be gobbling in more than any other? That's a clue. It might mean something. It might not. But more than likely, it means something. He'll have a little hen that way. You won't be able, I can't hear him, you know. Um, you know, but that's, uh, if if I can determine that he's gobbling consistently in a particular direction, I never try to come at him from that side. Ah. Uh, I avoid that. So you're assuming there may be hens or something. something. Uh, yeah, there. something. Okay. Not, that he's, <laughs> not that he's predisposed to go that way. You just don't want to approach him. Well, it way. depends on, on how... Now, what I do want is just before fly down, I want to be that way if possible. Mm-hmm. In other words, I, or as cl- on that side of 50 50, right. you know? And uh, because I don't know, I've never seen one fly backwards. I mean, he's got to I mean, if he's, if, if, he's, if he's tipping on a limb up there and getting going ready to go down and he's gobbling that direction, and he's more than likely going to fly that. Now, I've seen. Down. Honestly, I've seen them go off the limb and go that way. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of things that I would have never thought. But more than likely, he's going to pitch down that way. So, you know, the direction is important to to, to determine. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I want to get a read. on S stands for sensitivity. Is the gobble that ever... Crow that hits, or ever jaybird. Is he gobble? You know, at every gobbler at a, at a mile, or does he? What triggers his gobble? How sensitive is he to any sound? What pulls his trigger? The likelihood of him answering your call uh, when he's highly sensitive is 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 great. But that doesn't, you know, making a turkey gobble and making him come two different mm-hmm. things. I mean, good Lord. Right. You know, any, slam a truck door and make him gobble. Mm-hmm. You know, make him come is a whole different story. But uh, so I can get a read on this bird pretty good before I ever sit down. And honestly, I've gotten to the point now where I don't, I don't really sit down that quick. Mm-hmm. I've gotten myself into too many pinned positions more early it depends on the, on the, the the reproductive progression where are you in the reproductive progression you know how you hunt and this goes back to having to be consistent in killing turkeys what you do in first of March and what you do at the end of April two different things I mean, it's not, it's like you're hunting in a different world, mm-hmm. you know, and you are, environmentally speaking. And from the turkey standpoint, you are hunting a different world. He's in a different world, I assure you. Right. You know, so with all that said, you know, the the, the sometimes Q part of that acronym uh, has to do with quality. And that was just because I just couldn't come up with anything else. Uh Quality refers to different types of gobbles. That's what I want to learn about. Well, it ain't a whole lot to learn, Bobby. I, 
I mean, I ain't I figured out, but four or five of them. And I know there's more. That's that'll be for you guys, you younger guys to figure out, you know. Uh, but <laughs> but seriously, it can be figured out. But there are different types of gobbles, and they do have, you know, I I, I feel confident in my appreciation of them because I have interacted with these turkeys too many times and seen them in the process of making these gobbles and and was witness to what their behavior was. So the roll gobble, that's a type gobble. And, you know, uh, Lovett Williams, not me, I wish I could take credit for it, but Lovett Williams was way ahead of the game in describing, you know, the anatomy of a gobble. And basically it's two parts to it. And the first part is the attack part which is a multi-frequency sound, that Mm -hmm. part, that transitions into a a rhythmic tail. Chop, 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 chop. Okay? Preston was here. We could get him to do one. (laughs) He's probably out there somewhere. (laughs) He's around here. He's somewhere. He's around here somewhere. (laughs) Atlantic can go. Give us a gobble. Oh, mine's not. I mean, mine's a under. I mean, yours is a roll gobble though. There you go. You heard the tape. But but the problem is, Mister George, we'll be walking through the woods together, and I'll be, you know, walking. He's ready now. You got to wait till he's ready. And he'll be fifteen yards behind me, and he'll do that. And I, you know, you know, <laughs> start looking around. Where, okay, where, yeah, that's where, cruel. Where I love, hey, I know by now. As many years as we hunted together, you wouldn't mess with him yeah, every time. <laughs> it's fun. That's why you hunt together. That makes it makes a lot of sense, though. That what you're saying about you know that there, it is two parts. I've never thought about it that way till now. Uh, but it's like I don't. know. Well, there's two parts to it, and the turkey gobble. He just didn't pick it off the shelf and say, that's how I'm going to sound. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, the wild turkey evolved that call over thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the sucker's got long legs, and he covers a lot of territory. And to be able to survive and find each other, I mean, they're also social creatures. And to be able to keep everybody together and all they got to have a way to communicate and especially in the reproductive season they need to be able to find each other so the attack part the it is best suited for penetrating many different type of acoustic habitats gotcha that okay, makes sense. that's that's what it does. I mean, you're gonna hear that scowl, mm-hmm. and regardless of whether it's leafed out or it's open timber or whatever. Now, it's not he, he doesn't gobble for us, he gobbles for the hen or other gobblers. And for the hen, the hen's just like us, she's got two ears. She can hear a heck of a lot better than we can, but she's listening for the gobble too. And I always uh, likened it to uh, walking in the woods and you hear a shot, a single shot. And especially these days for me, 
I can't tell you which way. It's sort of like a gobble, too. I can't tell you which way it really was. But if he gobbles again, I can peg him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where that tail comes in. Because you've got this chop, chop, chop. It's like multiple gunshots. And you, the hen turns your head and pegs the position of the gobbler. Okay. That's how that evolved the way it did, in my opinion, and in Lovett Williams' opinion, and I believe it. Sounds okay. good to me. <laughs> and here's a little tidbit. You said something the other day about secrets. Well, I ain't got no secrets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got plenty of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> well, not those kind of secrets. I ain't going to tell you those. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, when you, when I'm listening, I'll put it that way. When I'm listening, and on up in the morning usually, and I hear a turkey gobble, and I can hear, clearly hear the tail. Now, I'm talking about at a distance, 600, 800 yards off, just barely hearing for me, uh, on the ground, and I hear him. If I can hear that tail, I bet your butt he's in an open canopied area. If I hear it and I can't hear the tail, he's in a closed canopy area. And th- this day and time, you can whip out that cell phone and you can look that direction and you can go, hmm, he's in that clear cut. Now, that's true. Versus the pine plantation. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. It's true. It holds up. Never failed me. Good info. Okay, that's the only secret I got. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one. Yeah, never thought about it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, now where were we? We were, we we're, were talking about the different guys. Huh? Yeah, we were the different Quality. Gobbles. We were on quality. <laughs> okay, yeah. quality. And you the went different to the kind, You wanted yeah. to know about the different kinds of gobbles. Well, the roll gobble, of course, is is normally uh, most often heard on the limb and it can be heard on the ground too but it's just harder to hear but when he's on the limb and he's broadcast calling for hens then he will gobble in multiple directions and roll gobble he'll roll it out Lanny you can roll it out roll it out (laughs) there you go All right. so that's, that's one of them another one it is comes to mind is is on up in the morning. Your hat's all turned sideways, and you, <laughs> you know you had your butt whipped, and you know whatever, and you headed back to the truck. But you got a call his last time, and you it's hot and dusty, and you, you cut real hard and turkey gobble about where you come from down in there. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, all right. Here you go, down through the woods, you know. You get in there and you sit down and and that sucker don't gobble again. Mm. He ain't gonna gobble again. And that gobble sounds like <clears throat> and what that's that's a howl, for lack of a better descriptive term. I don't even go to them anymore when they do that to me. Hmm. It hurts too much to walk up. He's talking about that short. That's the, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, what it is, in my opinion, is that, yeah, you've been down there fooling around all morning, <laughs> you know, and and he got wins, and he won't gobble at you anyway. And uh, 
<laughs> you know, you done heard it before. Yeah, done heard it before. <laughs> you know, heard same old box, whatever. And uh, but he's still the turkey, and he's still got a weakness for hens. And and the further you get away from him, the better you sound, actually. And uh, and you're leaving his area of influence, and you just happen to call. You might have changed calls or something like that. And he's just telling you, hey, I'm here. Right. Now I got hens. And I ain't leaving. And I ain't coming to you. <laughs> yeah. I ain't going to answer you yeah. again. But it has to do with your relative position within his area. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And he's letting you know I'm still here. And probably when you walk back out and you yell one more time at the truck just for good, he going oh, he again. I've had him do it. Yeah. I still don't go to him. I, just, <laughs> go I go in there and get whooped. <laughs> <clears throat> I've had some experiences with that too. Yeah. Uh, but normally that's that's in the middle of the reproductive progression when you run into that how. Now, there's another one that, now you can kill that turkey. You just got to be patient. You just got to go down in there and sit down and let him start gobbling, okay? And a lot of times that particular turkey, if you, like I, like I I've always been able to hunt, not have to go somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. that's one of the other blessings I've had in my life. If you go down there and just sit down, shut up. Don't try to make the turkey gobble. He's going to gobble if he wants to gobble. That turkey is anyway. And sometimes when that little hen gets tired of him and it's the laying period of the progression, she's going to slip off from him. She don't want that big Volkswagen going down through the woods <laughs> near her nest. And uh, so... I have heard this many times. There will be a rapid, frenetic-sounding series of gobbles. I call them demand gobbles. Hmm. And I have actually witnessed it a few times. And where they, he goes, ah, 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 like that. And she's just slipped off, and he's broke out of a strut and looking around where in the heck she she go? go? And it's like. Dad gummit, mm-hmm. get your tail back uh-huh. here. That's when you get up and haul butt towards him. You go right to him as fast as you can, and don't be expecting him to gobble at you. Be listening for the drum. Get in there. So I, most of the time, when I, I get tight as I dare, and I've, if I can, I scratch in the leaves. I won't even call. Yeah, they may even hear your feet rustling exactly. walking up. Love it. Mm-hmm. He'll drum at you. And he'll come and he'll come. And you, I've, I don't know how many I've killed that way. Mm. And But you hear that go, don't, don't dilly-dally because it just it doesn't last long. Yeah, it's a narrow window of opportunity there. And that's on up in the morning. That's typically. usually on up in the morning. I've yeah. never heard it anything but on up in the morning. Yeah. Maybe we should charge a fee for people to listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm soaking it in. I promise you that. I got, I got, my, tree, tree I got my notes. I got my acronym. Well, I tell you, there's a lot to this. Yeah, I mean, a whole lot and, to and it. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, George this is fascinating. Is, he's thought a lot about this, uh, deeper than most people do, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, it really is fascinating. 
Well, and you, you know, think- the, what what really got us started at, uh, down this rabbit hole one day on the side of the road was it was one of those days w- w- uh, that you just hear every turkey on the property gobble, oh, but yeah. none of them will come to you. It, oh, it's, yeah. You know, I, I seem like I experienced You want me to talk about that? Well, yeah. tell us what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Well... It's a cha- It's not a chapter, but it's a segment in the book. If I ever, what you know, this fictitious book of mine. But uh, the uh, I call it chain gobbling, and it, it goes back. Now we've all been out in Texas and heard them gobble up the ditch and down the ditch and mm-hmm. out of here and then back. And that I don't count Texas or or the Miriams in this because. Seems like they always do it, you know. Uh, but Easterns don't. And I've never heard Osceola's do it, but, you know, I don't hunt you know, Florida that much. I've hunted a lot, but not that much. Spent most of my time on Easterns. And there, back in the day, I didn't have but one place to hunt, and it was outside of Pleasant Ridge, Alabama. It was about a 1,000 acres. And uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd get my wife to take me and drop me off for daylight, and I'd walk in there, and I'd stay all day. And I was doing that in February. I'd stay until she could get off work and come pick me up and just enjoying being there, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so <clears throat> season had opened, just opened. And I had consistently heard five turkeys from what I call a cedar break. So it was just a play, a unique lime rock opening in the middle of a bunch of mixed pine, rolling hill, beautiful habitat, really. And uh, it was before Reaganomics and and you know our timber. The, 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 Before all the CRP came in. Well, this this is on ground that would never be put in CRP. Okay. This is in hill. Redland Hill Country out in above on the east bank of the Sipsy River back in there, not in the prairie. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, what happened when I mentioned Reaganomics, and you know he was one of our my heroes, but uh, <laughs> not to inject any politics into this. But, it's all good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but timber prices got real high. Right. And all and and because our economy was booming and and therefore a lot of this beautiful habitat got whacked. Okay. Okay, that's what I meant by that. But anyway, I was in there, and uh, I'd been hearing consistently five turkeys, and had them pretty well pegged. It was two together and. One over here, one over here, and one way over there, you know. And I, I shoot, I was trying to name them, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I, I kill this one first, and I kill that one next, you know, and all that. And there was one old turkey, and uh, I didn't want to mess with him. I'd done that the year before and the year before. <laughs> so I was avoiding him. And I, I got in there one morning, and the season was just open, and turkey gobble, okay. And I started to him, another turkey gobble right here. Yeah, okay, well, stopped, and I'm in these cedars and the sage and, you know, and all that, and and another turkey gobbling. Dang, man, they're gobbling early. Before it was over with, long story short, there were 17 turkeys gobbling. Now, I was flabbergasted. 
like, <laughs> best thousand you. acres <laughs> ever. Right. Yeah. 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 This is the best yeah. game of my yeah. life. Yeah. 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 Well, that that was the good part, and that and it, it went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill this one and I'm gonna get this one pretty quick. So I peeled off and went down there and sat down to this turkey and I sat right to him. And I thought, couldn't stand it anymore. Turkeys gobbling everywhere. I mean, they were just gobbling. I wasn't paying any attention to how they were gobbling or why they were gobbling. I was paying attention to the one in front of me. And I yelped at this turkey. He hushed. I said, okay. That hurts your feelings, don't it? Well, it well I mean, I, everybody else was gobbling. I, my thought uh-huh. process is a positive one. I was thinking that. Yeah, he he knows where the hen's at. He gonna shut up. Yeah, he, he gonna pitch down right he walking, here in my lap. He walking, you know, he like that. He walking like that. Here. I got him. <laughs> high, you know? And I'm 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 getting ready to kill him. And uh, he never gobbled again. He didn't fly down. And these other turkeys are killing it, especially one right over here that opened up. So being impatient, I jumped up. Dang, maybe he saw me. I ran over there and I got tight with that one. I said to him, I made the same mistake. I called at him. He shut up. Mm. And before it was over with that morning, I think I shut up most of them on that read. <laughs> all 17. <laughs> no, I didn't shut them all up, but I shut up every one on that read. No kidding now. I've been guilty of that. <laughs> and I'm not that bad. Yeah. I mean, I'm bad, but I ain't that bad. And I'm going like, and it just like, I, you talk about high, low roller coaster. Yeah. I didn't know what to think. What happened? What did I do? And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, that's bad enough. That really leaves you in that dark place, like what you were talking about. It hurts you start you questioning yeah. your calling ability. Well, exactly. And, yeah. Man, I tell you what. As soon as the doors open at the store, you're there. You got a shopping cart. You're yeah. going down. You got, I'm gonna get this one and that one. <laughs> I got to change the stuff Something up. Got, Switching my hat. I'm telling yeah. you. You know. And, uh, but anyway, the, not to be deterred, you so, know where I was standing the next morning, don't you? Yeah, I know so, I'd be standing. So what's going on when all those birds are Well, well like let me tell you how I know this isn't that. I know more, there's more to the story, and then I'll try to explain it. Well, the next morning, I stand in and see the brakes. And I was fully well expecting, you know, I was ready to do battle. I had extra bullets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Right. We, we, we're going to get them all if we, right. we get a chance. And I make up for yesterday. Uh-huh. And uh, you know how many I heard? I'm going to say none. You're right. Wow. You're exactly right. Huh. Not one. wonder why. Well, I wish I knew. But. My theory is it's early in the reproductive progression. They're, they're, they're gobbling at each other is what they're doing. After the second or third time I experienced that, I started listening more to what makes them gobble. I know what doesn't make them gobble. That's a sound of a hen. They're gobbling at each other. And it's about territory, and it's about spatial segregation. It's about peck order. It's about all those kind of things that gets a little misty and cloudy at times. That's in a constant state of flux. And did I ever see seventeen gobblers there? No, I don't know if they some of them you know left. 
But within a few days, the old five or that might have been one or two more were, were in the mix there, gobbling again. And it didn't ever get to 17 again. So I believe that these experiences, I've had the same experience in Missouri. I've had the same experience in Wisconsin. I've had it multiple times in Alabama and Mississippi. And, and it really, it always occurs early in the reproductive progression. And it's always the same. Don't call to him. He's going to shut up. Now, honestly, I've never tried gobbling back at him. I never had. You know, a gobble tube is something you got in the box at the house. I mean, I, I've never. Yeah. I mean, I got one. Right. But I don't tote one. Right. And I can't gobble with my mouth. And uh, I don't know if it would help or not. It would be an interesting experiment. So what would you do in that situation if it were to happen again? You just kind of try to set up amongst them? Yeah, and hope, I would just hope shut one up and get down in there and see if I could kill one, you know, fly down. I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't know what they do. I mean, it's a mystery to me uh, uh, about at what happens after that. I, I don't know, but I know it happens. And I've heard it. I mm. was in Wisconsin one morning. Instead of hearing 17, we were hearing 30 plus. Couldn't count them all. <laughs> and Tracy and I went back in there the next morning, and we didn't hear none. And I'm talking about a place, turkeys ain't tough like they are down here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can kill a turkey up there on, in the highway. I mean, they're <laughs> running across the road, you know. I mean, they're chasing the truck. So it's uh, in places. But so – that's what I call chain goblin, and uh, it, it's uh, it's still a lot of mystery to it. So, did we talk about the chop gobble? The chop gobble? No, we didn't mention the chop gobble. Uh, some turkeys do it. Some turkeys don't. I don't. You know, I have used it to identify particular turkeys. Some turkeys have a tendency to only chop gobble. I mean, they try to roll it, but they just don't have it. And uh, but as far as it having any particular meaning, I'm not sure that it does. I just think it's their style of goblin. You will see that, you know, you, it, it kind of let's, let's back up a little bit and talk about the song. Most I'm, very few people ever call the gobble the song of the wild turkey, but it is. And it is because it meets, the, according to ornithologists, it meets the criteria. You know, it's produced by the male. It's produced during a period of reproduction. And it's repeated multiple times early in the morning and late in the evening. And that's the criteria. You know, whether it's a warbler or a wild turkey, that's the criteria you need to meet to be considered a song. Well, <clears throat> all birds have variations in their songs. And it go there's really you have to back up another step or two and think about it like this. I mean, I'm looking at that turkey on on the the film there, and he's got a neat set of bar, and but you know they that's like a fingerprint. Every one of them is a unique individual. I mean, we have a tendency to stereotype wild turkeys I mean, everything for that matter. Right. And uh, and because it makes it easier to deal with the complexities. But that's a mistake when you're hunting a turkey. 
you really need to look more at what he's got or doing the individual side of him sometimes, especially if you're having trouble with him, instead of what turkeys, in quotation, do. Right. You see? What he's doing. Right. What he's doing. Mm-hmm. How he sounds. What pulls his trigger. Because that's the one you're trying to shoot, and you need to know what stimulates him or what what works with him. And uh, so, you know, the being able to, to – differentiate, as I've said before, among these turkeys, between these turkeys is, is, is very important. Uh, and if you can identify one, uh, then you you have an idea of what range. He's going to fly down and go that way. You know, they don't do that all season long, but right now that's the way he's going, you know. And if he did that the day before – Eh, 50-50 chance he'll do it again. Don't count on it, but (laughs) we all know that. (laughs) So is there any, you know, I I tried to make some notes on all all that. Is there anything I missed, Bobby, on what we we had talked about on the side of the road? Well, there's a bunch, but Laney, you've got a question? Yeah, I was just kind of going back to uh, what you were talking about. It was very interesting about the thousand acres, and if you really boiled it down to it, the turkeys were actually gobbling on about 10% of that. Yeah, 10 to 20%, I think is the rule. And I've seen maps, you know, where they, you know, they put – Put a device on a bird to track them, and uh, they tend to stay in those areas. Yeah, oh, and yeah. I, I just wondered, it, you know, we know when there's a fresh clear cut, we're like, mm. mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. like that's- pile of corn. <laughs> <laughs> that's a two hundred right. pile of corn. Yeah, I was like, Woo, he gonna get out there and show his stuff. So right. I didn't know if you could, of all the information you've tracked over the years, is it is it more contingent upon topographic features, or is it just where they like to be? You know, or is it? Well, it's, that's that's kind of easy. The gobblers are going to be where the hens are. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, and and if they're in your front yard, that's where he's going. He's going to be close by. Right. Okay. Right. So when the, re- the our turkey season in Alabama and Mississippi is a progression, as it is anywhere that turkeys exist. And it goes from winter to spring through spring, and it's in constant state of motion. Gotcha. And the environment speeds up the progression or slows it down. The temperature, the all the factors involved in the environment, the the light index, all this kind of stuff, it affects the flora which in turn affects the fauna. And the hens, when what I call a period of transition, when they're making the transition from the winter habitat to a spring habitat, the reason they do that is they're seeking out protein because they, they haven't had much available through the winter. And, um, uh, probably more carbs than anything and getting into your guys neck of the woods here, but they need protein to lay clutch eggs. They need fat to be able to sit 28 days and, and hatch off that clutch of eggs. And they're still flocked up. And that those flocks are loose at that time. They get a little flaky loose, you know, as do the gobbler groups, but they're going to make a transition. And when it, you have 
spring green up, they moved to open canopied areas, and the gobblers followed them. The gobblers have been probably shadowing them since Christmas around here, in in the neck of the woods, you know, mm-hmm. keeping an eye on the girls, you know. Right, yeah. And 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 pretty mornings they might even gobble a little bit, you know. They've got this peck order thing going on, just like the hens raise cane in the, in the winter time too. It's peck order vocalizations. You can hear some of the best vocalizations you ever hear in turkeys in that time of the year. No doubt. Oh. Uh, Make me ashamed. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't want to put my stuff up. Well, look, that, <laughs> you know? that makes total sense. Even mm-hmm. to, even to, you know, even come to some of the stuff that Dr. Chamberlain was hitting on about, you know, the health of the hen coming out of winter into the spring is so important for clutches too. Well, let me, let me finish and, and you re-reminded where I, where I was going with that. Yes, sir. The reason that there's a certain – there's only a certain percentage of any given place holding turkeys is because most places are not homogeneous, except maybe for pine plantations. Right. Uh, and there's some pine plantations that are much more uh, uh, conducive to holding turkeys than others, and, and that's the 14 to 18-year-old pines that have been thinned and sunlight penetrates and you got a little green going in there and all that. But the the whole concept is that the whole place isn't the same. And the hens seek out nesting habitat. And within that group of hens, there's always a best spot. And within that group, the alpha hen and her immediate subordinates, they will assume these areas. And their hens are not distributed equally across 10,000 acres. They clump up. And that's why the gobblers clump up. They're going to be where the hens are. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And like you said, the clear cut, uh, I mean, a clear cut's, I mean. Well, I mean, probably from what you're saying, though, the hens out there getting her, you know, nutritional values up. Sure. Uh, and then, because and I've always thought, like, now nah, the, the gobbler wants to be there so he can show his well, stuff. That, you know that's, I mean? that's also mm-hmm. an important side to the, to the gobbler because there's a, I mean, that's why he's evolved all this beauty. Right. I mean, he, he looks the way he does, not just by happenstance, but because that's what the hens seek. That, that unique barring and the, the colorations in the head and the fanning and, the, you know, there's a body English to this whole scenario also. Right. You know, I mean, there's, they have, uh, they, they want to be heard and seen. And so body, there's a body language to it. And, I mean, he doesn't do too well in the bar thicket. Okay, right. <laughs> you know what I mean. He doesn't want to be there. He'll he'll follow in in there, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really want to be there, and he can't sh- strut his stuff as well. And uh, but yeah, the they're gonna just follow the hen. The hen will take you t- to where you need to be. That's good advice if I've ever heard mm-hmm. it. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. 
So, Mr. George, we sure appreciate you being here, but I'm going to ask you if you'd hang around. Let's uh, let's yeah, take look, a break and let's record another wealth one. Wealth of knowledge there. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to pick at him a little it, bit he more. Really, <laughs> he really <laughs> is. I can see your wheels turning yeah. over there. And, uh, so, is there smoke coming out of my ears? Yeah, there is. So, you know, we, we always talk about what did we learn. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot that we learned here today, I suspect. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, uh, what did you learn, Lenny? Oh, well, I mean, I learned a lot. You know, I never even everything that that uh, George said. I can put myself back in the woods at some point in the last twenty twenty five years and been in those scenarios. So, and I've it's the wonder of wildlife. It's, you know, it's one thing me wandering around the woods, but like what what was going on? So to hear his perspective on you know what he thinks it is uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so even the different types of gobbles, the body language, the scenarios, too. You know. Uh, big. Tra- we know turkeys need big tracts of land, but that whole tract of land doesn't hold turkeys all the time, uh, and why the case is. So mm-hmm. when you boil it all down, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know it just goes back to that the hierarchy of needs, food, water, cover, companionship. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I love turkey hunting. I'm a third-generation turkey hunter. Um, Woo! <laughs> but uh, I don't honestly. I'm I'm probably not as hardcore as a lot of people in this room. You know, I'm thinking about fishing and trees, and a lot of times when I'm walking around in the turkey woods, I'm, I'm kind of looking at trees and not turkey hunting as much. But I'm fascinated with your comments about uh, the directionality, um, and and I want to spend more time listening to turkeys gobble and try to infer what they're what they're doing based on, you know, whether they're spinning in a circle, uh, gobbling all in one direction. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm really thankful for what you've taught us today. And uh, I I can't wait to get out in the woods and start putting some of this stuff to work. Yeah, maybe I'll start. Quit charging in there after. Well, (laughs) I've always been been kind of a laid back turkey hunter. I don't all I don't. Just go straight to them. I, I tend to wait till they fly down and and decide where to go. And sometimes it works great, and I feel like I'm a really good turkey hunter. And then the other times, I'm like, "What am I doing wrong? Am I terrible at calling turkeys?" And you know, then the next, you know. But uh, I think all turkey hunters, right? Do that. We yeah. always question <laughs> we, ourselves, but exactly. I have I have more questions that I can ask myself based on what you said today. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people listening are. are yeah. I love the, the acronym. No doubt about it. So look, let's do this. Let's uh, let's take a break. Let's let our guest rehydrate himself. And when he comes back, I'd like to get him to talk about how he sets up on a Turkey. Mm. I think that's one thing that we can drill into a little bit. So uh, let's do that. And this has been a fun one, but interesting one. And uh I've, I've, I've enjoyed perfect it. timing. Yeah, perfect yes. timing. <laughs> Dudley, why don't you uh, why don't you get us out of here, Dudley? All right, say goodbye, good. Dudley. Get us out of here, Cleve. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast, and be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine, and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy Ronnie Cuz Strickland.